Chapter eighteen of the Typewriter Girl. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Typewriter Girl by Grant Allen. Chapter eighteen. An Autumn Holiday. I have large estates in Hertfordshire and the adjoining counties, free of land tax. Some noble marquis, I am assured, lays claim to the bare loam, the ploughed fields, the turnips. But who counts mere mud? The rest is mine to do as I will with. He may keep the rents. Tis for me to enjoy the green lawns, the huge buttressed beech trees, the broad circles of shade where drowsy sheep lie huddled. I own the stripling streams that break against sharp stones in the sloping stickles, or expand on the shallows between into placid pools skimmed over by water beetles who dart and dance nimbly in interlacing whirligigs. The sky overhead is mine, mine the road underfoot, the scent of rain-wetted earth, the broken song of the thrushes, the startled scream of the jay as he bursts through the rustling oak-leaves, the long sweep of the swift, launching himself on the air from the battlements of the church-tower. All these I own by virtue of my freehold in the saddle of my bicycle such a sabine farm costs naught to manage it gives pure delight without counterpoise of trouble i visited mine often both on summer evenings and on saturday afternoons or sundays early in my time at romeo's a whimsical fancy seized me being ever irresponsible to spend my sabbath mornings in such churches within easy reach of london as were dedicated to my chosen ally st nicholas i ran them down with care in an anglican directory if the day were doubtful i strayed no farther afield than to st nicholas cole abbey in the city where in a dark bay of the isle i prayed the prayer now nearest to my heart which i leave you to guess often as my patron had failed me at a pinch still oftener had he proved kind i was prepared to give him one more chance of distinguishing himself but if the day promised to be fair i got under way betimes and was spinning down the roads that lead northward out of town while the smocked milkman still stood balanced by frothing pails in the meadows london lay a vast blur behind me cows on the common chewed the cud of penury their eye was pensive commissioner lynn showed a nasty jack-in-office disposition to disturb them he was called to heel with difficulty then i would seek some country church with low tower and wooden lich-gate where st nicholas still bore sway spite of iconoclast or puritan to pour out my heart's wish to i know not what power that compels the universe it was my wont to lean the bicycle meanwhile against the churchyard yew or some convenient tombstone leaving the commissioner in charge he was well fitted for the task by his unregenerate monopolist views on private property backed up by a fine row of persuasive white arguments these weekly trips made me careless of holiday i waited to take my summer outing till it should suit romeo's convenience i was so much his personal secretary that i must delay my vacation till he could take his and it had long been arranged that he should put it off till late september 
his partner having desired to go away in august romeo never alluded again to that evening at the savoy but i knew it had brought him naught but disappointment he had desired to include me within his mother's sphere and cornelia gathering up her roman robe had declined yet from that time he was more deferential and more courteous if possible than even his wont it was decided that his holiday should begin on the fifteenth of september as the time drew near romeo grew visibly distressed and depressed the spring failed in his step i fancied he was suffering some internal conflict his manner was distraught he sat at times as if he hardly heard what was passing it was plain to see he was struggling within himself irreconcilable feelings drew him alternately in opposite directions on the fourteenth he came down to the office as usual but sat gloomy and moody he did not tell us whither he was bound nay more he gave orders that no letters should follow him he made some mystery of his destination at three o'clock he went home bidding me good-bye with more reserve than was his wont he kept his glance averted i could see he was fighting hard to avoid breaking down this holiday must mean much to him he could not look me in the face to bid me good-bye the tremor of his eyelids was as of one who holds back tears with difficulty i wished him a pleasant trip he answered a hurried thank you and rushed out to his carriage if i had known where he was going i think i should have followed him as the thought passed through my mind puck came in for some money out of hand it was my duty to keep the petty cash for romeo's personal office expenditure i want nine shillings miss the boy said Bedeker's north italy and hare's venice my heart gave a quick bound i had surprised his objective i am an erratic creature in one second my mind was made up i should follow him i had still the twelve guineas i had received for my story thank heaven i am improvident the bourgeois vice of thrift is one from which my family has never suffered the puritan blood in our veins must have been too generously diluted besides have i not learned from more modern political economy that saving is the source of all the evils of capitalism and do i not give thanks daily that i show not the faintest tendency to develop in that direction i have made up my mind never to be a capitalist and up to date i see every chance of my keeping my resolution so i decided to spend my twelve guineas like a man to please myself leaving providence or st nicholas to make good the deficiency this is called faith and is a cardinal virtue i gave romeo two clear days start lest i should travel along with him and seem to be dogging him then i set out alone on my way to venice i am nothing if not frank therefore i do not seek to deny the truth that i went to italy on purpose to follow romeo unwomanly you say what a false convention yes i am always frank i think the day has almost come for frankness men novelists have depicted us as men wish us to be we have meekly and obediently accepted their portrait to some extent even we have striven against the grain to model ourselves upon it a man's ideal is the girl that shrinks 
the sweetly unconscious girl who scarce knows she loves till his strong arm glides round her and he clasps her to his heart then with a sudden awakening she awakens to the truth and knows she has loved him long loved him from the beginning that i say is a man's woman her purity her maidenly modesty are quite unapproachable by concrete feminine humanity she is too delicate in mind ever to dream that she can love spontaneously of her own mere motion she loiters in the shade she waits to be wooed she is coy undecided shrinking timid there was a time i suppose when such women were common i do not know for have i not shakespeare to the contrary but the type was once true i dare say and widely distributed still has not time altered it in the world in which we live men are no longer ardent we scarce affect to conceal the fact that they grow shy of marriage as a necessary consequence women have changed too the woman of this age often knows she loves knows it poignantly breathlessly and must use those weapons which the world allows her if she would gain the affection of the man who has taken her maiden fancy she cannot by open means pursue him i admit but she has recourse to the immemorial feminine devices of ruse and stratagem i have shakespeare on my side i say because i remember rosalind a man drew her yet i see in her pure woman she loves she knows she loves she longs frankly for her lover and that is the way with women as i have found them why did i follow romeo why did rosalind fly to the forest of arden only once scarcely once had romeo seen me as i was that evening of the dinner at the office what was i but the typewriter girl if i could meet him in italy he would know me as myself we could talk more freely he might pluck up heart of grace to break the ice and tell me he loved me for i knew he was fond of me i could not now doubt it when he talked to me it was with those unmistakable sidelong glances which a woman's heart can interpret often he broke off suddenly but his mother was against me his mother wished him to marry lady donisthorpe's dear meta in london i knew i had little chance to prevail over that perfect lady but in venice ah what miracles may not happen in venice mirage of the lagoons you show men everything i had not set foot in the enchanted city since my father took me when i was a girl of sixteen but i remembered it well i knew every refluent ditch of it i could have found my way on foot through little aimless lanes that wander in and out from the piazza to the ghetto if romeo met me there by accident if we loitered together among those churches and galleries if i told him of my saints if i pointed him out my best beloved pictures surely the struggle within him would be settled in my favour he would prefer my wayward gypsy american fantasy to dear meta's insipid graces of the perfect lady he would know which he preferred in spite of his mother and lady donisthorpe's crude advertisements my one regret was that i could not take mr commissioner and elsie with me End of chapter eighteen